Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event, current event and weekly Bible study. Uh, this is going to be the dedicated study for regarding um, Tom Horn, Gary Stearman, uh, Sir Isaac Newton, uh, David Flynn, that particular subject. The reason I'm <clears throat> saying this about Gary Stearman, because he's closely interlinked with Tom Horn in this, you know, this Congress that they just convened recently regarding a lot of these things about UFOs and extraterrestrials and transhumanism. And there, there's a lot of uh, of these people coming together. Chuck Missler, and, and I'm not condemning all of them, okay? I'm not saying they're all bad or there's nothing you can glean, okay? I wouldn't have mind of even going to that thing just to see what I could glean. But the problems I see is the leaven in a lot of these different ministries of Chuck Missler Hopefully, clearly pointed that one out. Uh, <laughs> Tom Horn, we just talked about. Gary Stearman, we're going to... This is from his own writings. I mean, these are from... And again, when I did that one on Chuck Missler, it was all from his own stuff. It was all stuff he had admitted to on the internet. So I'm not trying to, to make up stuff. I'm trying to document things. And again, it's really easy if it's up on their website, or it's linked, or, or it's from a link they're promoting. Oh, what, are they, what are they promoting? Well, here's what it is. It's one thing if it, it were uh, an accident were to happen in some type of aberration where they accidentally link to a Catholic site or something like that, but when it happens over and over and over again and you see a pattern, you can't think it's an accident anymore. Well, this is very similar to this new thing I just learned about this Gary Stearman guy who, well, anyway, I'm just going to read you this article I received from one of my listeners, Stacy. She said, would you please comment on Gary Stearman and his new book, Time Travelers of the Bible? This is his new book he's coming out with. Again, everybody's got to have a new book, you know. Uh, I, I wouldn't even have time to write a new book. I can't even imagine that, to actually be able to have time to write a book. I put out so much information on a weekly basis, I, I can't imagine also burdening my readers with, read my book as well, you know. It's like a, I'm probably giving people more than they can even digest on a weekly basis a lot of times. That and keeping up with the Bible... Much less, yes, I have my library of books because I'm an author. And I feel important now. Anyway, sorry. Uh, Time Travelers of the Bible, just wondering what you think. He says that he's encountered a UFO 40 years ago and he believes it was from God. Thanks, Stacy. So, I responded back back to her and I said, Funny you should ask. I just read the very report you referenced. I didn't read the book. But I read the report that I believe the book is somewhat based on. Okay, at least it forms the backbone of what fomented his interest in this subject. And he would be the first to admit that, Gary Stearman. Okay, I said, funny you should ask, as I just read the very report you referenced, where he basically says he was not sure if it was God or the devil, but definitely felt much more that it would be of God. You can read it for yourself below, which is much more manageable than reading his book. I find this extremely alarming, as he is literally at the forefront of the, quote, Christians, who are, who are supposedly here to give us the truth about the UFO alien agenda. See, I'm very leery of ministries, most likely 501c3, if not for-profit, ministries out there, that are there and they're selling all kind of stuff and they're they're pushing all the stuff and they're acting as though they're the authority on the whole UFO, Nephilim, transhumanism stuff. And they've got all this leaven mingled in with their core belief systems. That very much causes red flags for me. Okay? Uh, this guy's at pretty much the forefront. In fact, at that Congress that I just mentioned that they had... I think it was in Missouri. This was like the key guy, Gary Stearman, who kind of has come out of nowhere in the last year, year and a half, from what I could see, to kind of, all of a sudden, he's like right at the top now. Tom Horn's not even really at the top. I think Gary Stearman's more even above him. Uh, I, I, then I ended by saying, I have refused to yoke up with this group for years, or these... A lot of the people represented in this group, I've refused to yoke up with them for years, and now it's becoming more and more apparent why I have not done so. I genuinely tend to have bad problems when I try to yoke up with other ministries, with other 
ministers in there because and invariably I step on toes. And invariably I find, okay, there's a guy that's a total heretic in this group, or several. And here I am yoked up with them. Well, it's a reflection on my ministry if I choose to yoke up with, you know, a group of guys up there talking, and I'm up there represented as well, I become associated with their doctrine that may be totally heretical. So I don't do that anymore. I just stop. And, and that was a problem with Sermon Audio. Here you got 7,000 preachers up there. You know? And, and a lot of them are really lukewarm to the core. The vast majority of all 501c3, cor- head of 501c3 corporations, they call churches. And most of them don't even read the King James Bible. You could go on and on and on. So it was really a matter of time before I had to leave there. Uh, probably should have done a lot sooner. Anyway, this is the article I'm in reference to. It's called The Story I've Never Told. This just came out. This is by Gary Stearman. Okay, I don't know if this... I, I would imagine this book, this Time Traveler's book, It's maybe it's, it's more um, highly stated more in the book, but I'm just going to give you the high points of this article, because it's kind of a long article, but it's by Gary Sturman, he wrote it on August 11th, this just came out, the story I've never told, I give you a link here to the story, and here I'm just going to give you the high points. The following is a story, now this is Gary Stearman writing, following is a story that I've never publicly related, except for a handful of people I've told over the past four decades. Now, you got to understand, please understand the context. This guy is at the main, main, main forefront in alternative, supposed alternative Christian media of exposing the whole true agenda regarding the UFOs, transhumanism, Nephilim, alien conspiracy, the whole nine yards. This guy's at the spirited, basically. As is Tom Horn and Chuck Missler and some of the others. Okay, but this guy's really at the top. So, uh, he's never told this story before. Nevertheless, it is a true story that played a large role in the development of my thinking. So in other words, this story that I'm getting ready to relay to you formed a large, large part, and still does form a large part, in the development of his thinking. One of my tasks was to supply, now this is way back when, okay, this was back in the 1960s. One of my tasks was to supply Cessna dealers across the United States with point-of-sale material. Cessna being the airplane for aeronautics, okay. Uh, That was one of his jobs, okay. He would fly, I think what one of his jobs was to do was sell these planes, okay, the brand, brand new ones, um, but he also supplied Cessna dealers with point-of-sales material, brochures, product information, banners, posters, films. It was the midsummer of the 1960s in Wichita, Kansas, and I prepared to take off from the delivery center airfield at the Cessna, Air, Cessna Aircraft to make such a routine trip. Sunday morning, I departed for my first stop, which was Love Field in Dallas, Texas, about 330 miles south. The trip took a normal and an uneventful two hours, I arrived at the Cessna dealership late in the morning, where the dealer and I unloaded about half the materials I had brought for the meetings. Then, a little afternoon, I departed Love Field, headed west toward Lubbock, Texas, where I was to meet another Cessna dealer, unload the other half of supplies for him. This leg of my flight, I thought, would be as as, as ordinary as the first. Now, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. He was So he starts flying there, climbing to a cruise altitude of 6,500 feet and leveling off. I relaxed, expecting a 300-mile trip of about an hour and 45 minutes. Routinely monitoring my navcom, right on schedule, as I always was, enjoying my flight. The air was smooth and cool. Then, without warning, a low-voltage warning flashed on my instrument panel. My first reaction was simple annoyance. This had started as a perfect flight, but now I had to manage a failure. I was somewhat disgusted. This, after all, was a brand new airplane. I noted that the electrical system voltage was steadily dropping, and after trying every alternative and discovering that there was no cure, I took one last reading on my heading and position, then I shut down the entire electrical system. On an airplane, you can do that because the engine has its own separate ignition system. I believe that by doing this, I could save battery power till I got to Lubbock, then turn it on back in time to call the tower and make my landing. 
Again, I settled down expecting the remaining hour to be uneventful. How wrong was how wrong I was. At this point, I would remind you that all electrical power was shut down, including, of course, the radios. Yet, at that very moment, I heard a crisp, clear voice that sounded just like a tour guide. And it said, quote, If you look to your left, you'll see a UFO. End of quote. My instant reaction was, quote, Now that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I'm not going to even look to my left. End of quote. And I didn't. Facing forward, I set my jaw and determined to continue as before, but then it hit me. Although the radios were off, I had heard the clear voice. It was then that I decided for sure that I was not going to look to my left. Then for a second time, loudly and clearly the voice said, and I really couldn't tell you where it was coming from, it said, quote, if you look to your left, you'll see a UFO, end of quote. Its intonation sounded just like a tour guide, and I laughed out loud. Then, curiosity finally got the best of me, and I couldn't stop myself from looking to the left. And there, slightly below my altitude, a mile or two away, was a bright light. I watched for a good while. It was matching my speed and direction as we continued for a few minutes. It appeared to be slowly drawing closer to me. We flew on together for a few more minutes, still on emerging courses, drawing ever closer to each other. It looked like we would get to Lubbock at about the same time. Then something startling happened. We both flew under a high, solid cloud deck that was a few thousand feet above us. Now, at virtually the same moment, we had flown into a shadow. But amazingly, the light that came out from this mystery aircraft was as bright as it had been in the sun. It was generating its own light. It was brilliant. Suddenly, I believed the voice I had heard 15 minutes ago. It was a UFO. Its corrugations were spaced about three feet apart, and here it was, flying with me in close formation, about 75 feet off my left wing. So in other words, it's really close to him at this point. Then, as unbelievable as it may sound, I felt something like waves of energy coming off this thing. I felt like I was being probed or scanned. That it literally knew what I was thinking. And I wasn't at all bothered by this. Quite the opposite. I felt in elation. I've never experienced before or since. Since he got saved? I mean, what about the elation of actually being a born-again child of God? I mean, there was never a time that that exceeded this experience. I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't want to judge. I'm just saying, that's just, that's very suspect. Okay, let's go further. Going back to the article, I felt as though something terrifically good and beneficial was happening to me. Something on the order of a rescue. And I'm sitting here reading this article in disbelief at this point. You know, and I'm thinking, this doesn't sound, it's, it's like Tom, the Tom Horn stuff we got into. This sounds like he's promoting this. This sounds like he's saying this is all a good thing. I mean, he's saying it is a good thing. And he's going to continue to say that, as you'll see. So going further, I felt as though something terrifically good and beneficial was happening to me. Something on the order of a rescue. Remember, I had entered into this situation with an electrical emergency. I was magnetically drawn to this beautiful machine, if one can call it a machine. For several minutes, we flew along together. But as I looked, I wanted to get closer to it, to see how it was built. So I nudged the controls, causing my plane to slip stealthily, Closer to this thing, 75 feet, 65 feet, 60 feet. And I felt a magnificent connection with this giant ship. As though I was concerned about my condition, I perceived it was a gracious benefactor. Although at the moment I didn't connect its actions with my electrical failure. Now in the distance, uh, well, then what happened is it got so close to it, it, it got like went to a mile away, like in a split second, okay? So then he says, now in a distance, it still gleamed with a luminous silver light and once again flew along with me as we both headed for Lubbock, which was now less than 20 miles away. It seemed that we had covered what should have been an, uh, an hour's flight in about 10 minutes. So he felt like it was about a 10-minute time period that this all happened. And it should have been an hour. So he's like thinking, oh man, I'm 50 minutes ahead of schedule probably. Okay? And here, the time had arrived to see whether my earlier strategy had worked. I reactivated the electrical system, and yes, there was enough battery power left to call Lubbock Tower, and to deploy the flaps for a landing, all of which turned out to be routine. 
Rolling southward, I slowed and departed the runway in a turn, in a left turn, and taxied up to the Cessna dealership. Through my windshield, looking back toward the east, about ten miles away, I was, I still saw the ship. Even after he landed, he still saw it, still hovering in the distance, absolutely still. After shutdown, I walked into the dealership in something of a daze, where I met the dealer and mumbled something about having seen a UFO on my way. There was nothing subtle about his reply, though. He said, quote, I don't believe in those things. And I quietly resolved that I would never mention it to anyone else. Furthermore, he was really angry. He said, quote, you were supposed to be here earlier. What happened? I told him about the electrical failure, and it somewhat calmed him down. It didn't occur to me until years, years later, years later, I don't see why this would take years, but he said it didn't occur to me years later that I had left Dallas just after noon on a trip that should have taken less than two hours. Now it was after uh, 6 o'clock, perhaps closer to 7 o'clock. This man had waited on me all afternoon. Do you realize what that means? Do you realize what the statement I just said means? Now, I'm talking here. I'm not quoting off the article. He should have been there around 2. It was... Six to seven o'clock. That means that there was four to five hours missing. And he thought it would only take ten minutes. What does that tell you? It tells you that he was abducted. Five hours missing time. Do you know how common this is in abduction scenarios? And do you know that it's not always the abduction scenario where they get abducted and they have this horrific sense and they know that they're getting uh, implants put in them and probed in, in this focus on the reproductive organs and all these horrific procedures, which may have been done to him. But these people, when they're abducted, they're brainwashed. They're literally brainwashed by these Nephilim, demonic, fallen angelic entities that are responsible for this with their superior technology, because let's face it, the fallen angels have been around a lot longer than we have. They've had access to technology we haven't had access to. And that was much of the reason, much of the thing that they that they imparted to humanity in the flood. And again, we talked about technology in the very first study here with the Gog and Magog War. I really do believe that if you look at the, um, the fallen angelic technology that the fallen angels and the Nephilim imparted to humanity during or, or before the flood... What was the fruit? Wickedness. So much so that God had to destroy the whole earth, save eight people. Where does it talk about that technology? Well, the book of Enoch, specifically, okay, and I use it as a commentary, and only use the blue hardback version by a Baptist uh, press that does it, and it all has KJV reference, cross-references, but they tell, specifically, what technology did the fallen angels teach humanity? And again, it's one thing after another after another. Well, they have technology aboard these ships where they do all of this horrific testing, but yet you'll get put back into your car or into your plane or wherever you're at, and you'll think that you just had the greatest experience on Earth. Not every time, but a lot of the times. I mean, if you were Satan, and you wanted a guy or a woman to think you were a great guy, wouldn't you want them to come away with a good feeling about things? Yeah, but you know what? There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. If it contradicts the word of God, then it's not of God. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Well, he's trusting in his own heart. Why? Because it felt so right. And it was such this, I felt he was a benevolent benefactor. You know, and it was good. I felt he was here to rescue me. Oh, great, Gary, the, the, the uh, fallen angelic knight in shining armor coming to save the day. That's what we're dealing with here, right? It didn't occur to me till till years later that I had left Dallas just around noon on a trip that should have taken less than two hours. Should have been there, you know, before two. But now it was between six and seven o'clock. Four to five hours plus missing time. Hmm. Wonder what happened to Gary then. Wonder what type of implants he might have received. Wonder what type of brainwashing he might have received. I wonder what type of procedures might have been performed on him. I wonder how many might have been performed after that. 
or might still be being performed. Because let's face it, people that get abducted continue to be abducted and continue to be targeted. If he truly got born again, okay, after that, why in the world is he having any doubts? If he's the world's, one of the world's most foremost guys regarding figuring out the whole alien agenda. And I've read some of his stuff, and most, I mean, one of the articles I quoted recently, it was really good. Why in the world would he be saying this? Why wouldn't he just, even if he felt that way at the time, why would he want to give his readership, why would he even want to remotely point at them in that direction, knowing how evil this phenomenon is? Why would he want to confuse people? God's not the author of confusion. Wouldn't this be confusing if you got a letter from me like this? Scott Johnson, if he wrote something like this, after all the teachings I've done exposing UFOs, aliens, you know, the whole nine yards, and I put out a letter like this, wouldn't you be like, what? Has he gone, has, has he gone mad? Is he out of his mind? Is he even saved? Well, you'd have every right to question me. I'm not holding him to a higher accountability than I would hold myself, is the point I'm trying to prove here. So let's go further. But he was, meaning the guy that was mad at him, even because he was four to five hours late, but he was sympathetic after he heard about my emergency. Another thing didn't register to me until years later. I had refueled in Dallas giving me enough fuel for four to five hours of flying time at the very most. I landed over six hours later and still had half my fuel left. But I just didn't think about it. It didn't cross my mind. There wasn't anything strange about this. So in other words, he had all kind of extra fuel. What does that tell you? That tells you that this craft brought him into some type of tractor beam, which is very, very common with abduction scenarios. People get floated out of their windows or whatever. The plane was in some type of tractor beam. Whether it was being held in suspension under the UFO, whether it was actually pulled into the UFO, I don't know. But he got abducted. He had four to five hours missing time. They did what they did to him. And then he was put back in the plane, essentially. To go his merry way, at that time the plane wasn't even flying. So hence he had all this extra gas. Just common sense would tell you that. Alright, let's go further. I intended to fly back to Wichita that evening after dropping off the rest of the load. But now the airplane was in the shop with electrical problems and I was forced to stay overnight. The next morning, bright and early, the dealer picked me up and we headed for the airport to see what they had found about my aircraft. Needless to say, I was quite anxious to fix the problem and headed back home to Wichita in the factory. The shop foreman approached us as we entered and he said in an excited state as he almost shouted, you ain't going to believe what we found. Now this is, okay, so he brings his airplane in after this problem, this electrical problem, the shop foreman goes in, they, they, they work on this, and then the next morning he comes in and the shop foreman says, you ain't going to believe what we found. And he proceeded to show us the brand new V-belt that had fallen off the alternator drive and ended up in the bottom of the cowling. There was not a mark on it. It was factory new. And the pulleys from which it escaped were still tensioned and safely wired. Meaning, a pulley is not going to go off a tensioned... Um, uh, the, the, the belt, the V-belt, is not going to fall off a tension pulley. The only way it's going to fall off is, is unless it breaks. Because the tension on that pulley is going to keep it there. There's, there's you know, grooves at the end that keep the belt in place. Well, the V-belt had fallen off the alternator and ended up at the bottom of cowling. There wasn't even a mark on it, though. It was factory new. And the pulleys were still tensioned and safety wired. It was impossible for the belt to have fallen off in this way. Five men, including an FAA inspector, stood around and marveled at the site. At the very least, the belt should have been scarred. Most likely it would have broken, but it was pristine. And what's more, they had to loosen the fittings to replace it, meaning they had to untension the pulleys to get the belt back on. 
It couldn't have fallen off the engine. Of course, my mind was racing in a different direction. What had really happened? Why had the flying disc come alongside me at this critical moment? Uh-oh, it had saved him, right? Had they actually caused the critical moment? Well, of course they did. So they could appear as the knight in shining armor. So that they could give you this, this wonderful, you know, pixie cups and daisies feeling that you, you, you went away from this event with. Thinking, wow, they're really wonderful. They're benevolent benefactors. They're my good buddies. You know, high five with the UFOs. Well, that's what they wanted him to believe. Of course, Satan is a master counterfeiter. He can come to you as an angel of light all day long if he can deceive you. So um, then he said, have they actually caused the critical moment? Of course, I didn't utter a word about the UFO to any of those present at the Monday morning meeting. I would have been laughed out of the hangar. And also, after reinstalling the drive belt, test running the engine, and discovering a uh, healthy voltage system, it was pronounced airworthy. I took off and headed for Wichita. A little over two hours later, I landed, went back to the office, and essentially kept my mouth closed to this day. Why does this guy pre-position himself in a ministry where he's doing all this end-time prophetic UFO stuff? Now he's at literally the forefront of this UFO thing, and now he comes out with this article? Where he's literally promoting certain UFOs? I mean, obviously he's going to say, yeah, a lot of UFO activity is bad. But there's some that's really, really good. Do you know how common this is? The UFO occupants even do this. They'll say, oh, we're the good ones, we're the Nordics, and the bad ones are the greys and the reptilians, and we're here to save you from them. It's the good cop, bad cop. And when the Ascended Masters make their big debut, most likely with Lord Maitre and Master Jesus at the forefront, and there might be a whole bunch of other ones there too, and the Antichrist and the False Prophet, and when they all make their big debut and they say, you know what, these UFOs, they're on our sides, but there's a, there's a, there's a sect of them that are bad, they're the bad guys, and we fight against them, and you need us for our protection so we can fight against the bad guys, and they're all on the same team. It's the good cop, bad cop. It's the Hegelian dialectic. Problem, reaction, solution. That's what, they, that's what they do to us all day long with modern day politics and modern day news. They're just going to continue with it. It's just going to be a little more uh, draconian and evil. So, let's go further here. Of course I didn't utter a word about any of those in the hangar. Uh, let's see here. So, over the last 42 years, I've maybe told four or five people about the incident, more or less swearing to them the secrecy in the process. I've had many questions. Now, he still has these questions. This is what's really scary. I've had many questions. Was the UFO good or evil? Oh, my word. You are supposedly an authority on this. You have reported on this mega, mega numerous times. You're a person that people look to for truth regarding this subject. And here you are questioning whether the UFO was good or evil. Knowing how subtle and how good Satan is at what he does. Knowing the true nature of UFOs, which never, ever, ever, ever point people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether they're the good Nordics or whether they're the bad reptilians or greys or whatever in between. Never, ever, ever do they point to the Lord Jesus Christ or to the Word of God. They always point you away from it. They point you to the fact where they'll tell you, no, we actually created you millions of years ago through the ancient astronaut theory. In fact, we're your, we're your, we're your true fathers. We, we created you. And now we want to take you to the next step in your evolution because you're ready to go to the next step in evolution. And this whole thing's called the ancient astronaut theory, that they came here and seeded the planet. And, you know, you're our little science project is what we're told. And you've messed things up so bad that we're going to have to come back and straighten things out. And this, hence the, the emergence of the Antichrist and the False Prophet and the Ascended Masters. And the UFOs are all going to make their big appearance in this particular day. And again, if you doubt this, just key in UFO. Or UFOs or Nephilim or whatever in the keyword search box at ContendingForTruth.com. I've talked about this subject many, many, many times. Um... You know, going further, 
was it angelic or demonic, meaning the UFO? I'm reading this in disbelief. I'm thinking this guy is the foremost world's expert, or one of them. He's at the very spear tip of leading people into the truth about this subject, and he doesn't even know if it was angelic or demonic. Was it good or evil? Was it from outer space or an inner space, perhaps another dimension? Did it cause the failure of my electrical system? Or did something else cause the calamity? Of course it caused the failure. They even said there's no way that thing could have fallen off. The, The belts were still tensioned. The safety leads were still on it. Of course it did. It wanted to appear as the knight in shining armor. Why do you think it left him with such a great feeling? He's hooked on a feeling. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Satan's very good at what he does. He can come to you as an angel of light spirit. It's no marvel that he can do this. The Bible's very clear. Of course it caused the failure in the electrical system. How could the plane of of even flown properly without that belt on? Maybe it could. Okay, I don't know a lot about aeronautics, but the fact that he got there and he had way more gas than he should have Yet the flight took five to six hours longer. If it was up in the if it was up in the air, truly flying for that length of time, he would have fallen out of the sky. Had it not been linked to some type of tractor beam, or actually in the ship, people that get abducted they don't remember what happens in the missing time. Most of the time, they don't remember that. I mean, it's so obvious what's going on here. So, did it, did it cause the failure, failure of the electrical system? Or did something else cause the calamity? And the UFO came to my aid. Again, common sense. The belt could have never come off in the manner it came off. It would have, at least, it would have been broken, most likely scarred at the bare minimum. They did it on purpose. And they did it so flagrantly on purpose that he would know the next day that he had supposedly been saved by this generous benefactor and the, and, the, and the hooked on the feeling you know twinkle toes feeling that the guy got oh this feels so wonderful that was just the, the cherry on top of the sundae for him the devil's good at what he does okay now if this had been his, his account afterward which obviously it would have I wouldn't sit here and judge the guy I'm not going to blame him but now Whatever it is, 42 years later, he still hasn't figured this out? And he's the head of one of the main Christian ministries? They're supposedly at the spear tip of exposing this very subject? This concerns me. If the Holy Spirit was living inside him, why is he still having all these questions? I don't understand that. I've never been abducted, but I figured this stuff out. It's very concerning, obviously, just like the whole thing on Tom Horn. Very concerning. One thing is for certain, and I'm going back to the article, I felt that the UFO had good intentions. One thing's for certain, in his mind. Now, he's wrong. I don't care if he feels certain about that. He's certainly deceived. He's sincerely wrong. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. It's true, it is. A lot of times. A lot of times it is. Not every time, but a lot of times. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. The Bible says it in Proverbs 28, 26. I felt the UFO had good intention, and he said one thing is for certain. I felt the UFO had good intentions. Well, you were lied to. Satan's a master deceiver. He deceived you. Admit it. And then he says, contact with it had been both exhilarating and positive. Well, why don't you just drink a five-hour energy or something? You'll get the same feeling, right? Exhilarating and positive. Sorry. And I'm not promoting that stuff either, because it's got nasty sweeteners in it. Anyway, I was disappointed when it stayed behind me as I went on to land. I mean, this is some sick stuff. He was disappointed. Why? I mean, because the Space Brothers had went their merry way? 
just, I'm, I'm reading this in absolute total disbelief. Here we have the guys, two of them, Tom Horn and him, at the, at the very spear tip of supposedly giving us truth about this very subject. And there are huge, gigantic, football field-sized red flags going up here. About both of them. I've already got into Chuck Missler. And all I've got is confirmation on that one as well, since then. I'm telling you, the, the time, day and time we're going into, it's going to be like unlike anything you'd ever seen. The deception is going to be so great. Unbelievable. Now, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm continuing here. I must tell you that at that time, I had not yet given my life to Christ. See, he, was, he wasn't even saved. He was not saved. But yet, the information he is relaying in this article is the, 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 the mental, the reference point that he is relaying has not changed in the last 42 years. It hasn't changed. What he just said was the same feelings he felt when it all happened. But is he all of a sudden is he turning around and saying, but I realize at this point it was totally demonic and I was just deceived, which is what he should be saying. And then he should be using this as a springboard to tell people, listen, Satan is really good at what he does. Don't underestimate him. He, is a, he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and he doesn't always use the same tactic to get you deceived and to get you into hell with him. And UFOs are one of the main ways that he's going to use in order to deceive the masses. No, he didn't say that. He's sticking with this story. So he admits he wasn't even saved. And then it goes on to say, and I was more aware than most people of the entire UFO phenomenon. The encounter, of course, had brought me to an entirely new level of perception. It opened my mind to the absolute reality of beings who have made, who have what appears to be technology that's eons ahead of ours. I already went into that. In my own personal case, however, many questions remain. Again, I'm just, I don't even know what to say. How could you call, you shouldn't even be in ministry. If you have these types of questions, you are not qualified to be in ministry. If you haven't figured this out at this time, yet you are one of the supposed foremost experts in this area, in alternative Christian media. If you haven't figured this out by now, you you don't have any right to try to educate other people because you're going to cause them to stumble. We're not supposed to, we're not supposed to lay a stumbling block before our brother. This article is gonna lay a whole bunch of stumbling blocks, just like Tom Horn promoting Catholicism. What is it doing? Laying stumbling blocks. Laying stumbling blocks before your brothers and sisters in Christ. Not good. Not good at all. Then he goes on to say, I continue to believe that I was rescued. Unbelievable. It's so obvious what happened here. Yeah, they could have let his plane fall out of the sky. True. But don't you think that Satan's benefiting far greater from what his mindset is now regarding the amount of people that he's reaching now? Don't you think Satan's benefiting far greater than if he would have just let the plane fall out of the sky that day? What is where's where's Satan benefiting more? I, I think it's obvious. I continue to believe I was rescued. I would like to believe that that beautiful ship that came alongside me was on a mission to save me from a possible crash. The belt, the belt. If the belt had broken on takeoff. And all, and the UFO showed up. It would have been that that scenario would have been a little more believable. But because the belt was just laying on the bottom of the cowling, no scars on it, unbroken, the the pulley still tensioned and tightened. It was a setup. They 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 did it on purpose. 
to deceive him. And he can't sit still. Unbelievable. Then he goes on to say, it's the only time you get any doubt. And, and it's almost like it's an afterthought. He says, but I don't exclude the possibility that the ship was demonic. Now, he said all that to say that, come on. All he's done is, is, is give accolades and, and platitudes to this whole scenario. And yet, here we go, but I don't exclude the possibility that the ship was demonic. Representing a, a mission far beyond my ability to understand. Well, I just gave you why, why it happened, how it happened, what was going on. I just told him. What was going on? That's what happened. I know those things are of the devil, and it never varies. Well, what if it was a good angel? Why would a good angel have to fly around in some ship and cause why God, who's not the author of confusion, why would he have his own little fleet of UFOs and go around and say, well, you know, we're really good guys. We're, 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 we're the angels of God. We just want to really confuse you really bad so you don't know when the good or the bad ones come. Why would God do that? It doesn't make any sense at all. And never, never, ever do you hear the occupants of these crafts ever pointing people to the Lord Jesus Christ or the Word of God. In fact, they do the exact opposite. They promote their own New Age, ancient astronaut, garbage religion whether they be reptiles, greys, or Nordics, or whatever. And they're totally concerned with discrediting Jesus Christ every time, Jesus Christ of the Bible, not their master Jesus, who they're, gonna, they're getting ready to uh, um, unveil pretty soon. He says, I don't exclude the possibility that the ship was demonic, representing a mission far beyond my ability to understand. Then he says, I just can't say Man, how pathetic. And you're the head of this ministry? Man, that's scary stuff. Really scary. He said, I do not know. <laughs> wow. However, that the Spirit of the Lord clearly spoke to me beyond that period that followed. If the Spirit of the Lord clearly spoke to you beyond that period that followed, why haven't you figured this out in 42 years and you're an expert in this very subject. I can understand if you became a pastor, and you never ever explored this, or, or delved into it afterward. Even then, I don't, I, I can't, it's just a cursory look at UFOs. You should be able to figure this out. But this is a guy who's a foremost, world's foremost authority. He still hasn't got it figured out. Well, what kind of message is that sending to your, your listeners? Well, he doesn't have it figured out, and, and, and he's a world's foremost expert, and he said that it was good, and he's almost convinced it was totally good. And there's just a slight possibility that it was demonic, and, these, and they were gener uh, generous benefactors, and they came here to save me. Well, then, then they're good guys. Now I'm really confused. Yeah. It's going to really yield some great fruit, this, this article. Really going to help a lot of people out. It's, it's not doing anything to sway me at all. I already know the truth. But I'm talking about the people that are baby Christians, people that are new to this, people that are just getting up to speed in this stuff. This is going to throw a gigantic monkey wrench into their um, theology if they're following this guy, particularly. Man, and I'm saying, I'm not saying he doesn't have some good articles. But a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And Jesus Christ said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, which is their doctrine. Well, this is his doctrine. He believes this. He put out this article. He wrote a book, the Time Traveler's book that we quoted at the beginning. This isn't just a little trivial matter. Going further, he said, I just can't say, I do not know meaning if the ship was demonic or not. However, the Spirit of the Lord spoke clearly to, clearly to me in the period that followed. Afterward, I came not only to the saving faith in Christ, but to a consciousness that we are living in the last days. Said by our Lord to resemble the days when the fallen angels began to traffic among men. Yeah, you're right. For eons, there's been a heavenly battle raging. Good and evil. Angels defend territories and causes that are far beyond our perception. So in other words, the, the not-so-subtle implication there is that God has his UFOs, 
and Satan has his, and, and there's two sides, and they're kind of battling, and I just happened to encounter a good UFO this day. That's, that's what I perceive after reading this article. Occasionally, they penetrate the dimensional barriers for a moment, and we see them. <laughs> that is some dangerous stuff I just read you. Mega dangerous. And I have to warn you about it. I have to do it. Romans 16, verse 17 and 18, I quoted it earlier, Mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. And there's many, many, many other verses that you could, you could give somebody in the New Testament. Well, no, judge not, lest you be judged. You don't have any right to say anything against them. That's when you have a beam in your own eye and you're judging the speck in your brother's eye. That's when you judge not, lest you be judged. It even says, remove the beam in your own eye so that you can judge the speck in your brother's eye. Jesus Christ said, judge righteous judgment. The Bible says in the New Testament, he who is spiritual judgeth all things. Paul called people out by name. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. And then he said, the Lord reward him according to his works. He, he, you know, he talked about turning people over to Satan. Demas hath, hath forsaken me for this present day world. I mean, it's over and over and over again in the New Testament, but yet those verses are never talked about. I'm just, I got, I've got to, you know, bring this out because it's, it's. And and the thing is, is I've been kind of sitting on this Tom Horn thing, and then more stuff came out about the Catholic thing, and then I got this email from Stacy about Gary Stearman, and you know, it's very confusing. People are reading this stuff, and it's like, what? So she wrote me back. And she said, I actually went to his website and I listened to his show myself before I received your email. I could not believe what I was hearing come out of his mouth. He commented on how he was not a Christian at the time of this UFO sighting. So, I mean, right there, you're not a Christian. You're much more likely to be deceived if you don't have the Holy Spirit of God living inside you, in other words. It just stands to reason. She goes on to say, well, that tells you something right there. When the Lord Jesus Christ pulled me from the pit of hell 16 years ago, that was the first thing that the Holy Spirit taught me, was that the UFO aliens were from the pit of hell. Good point. Then she goes on to say, he honestly believes it was from God. Now, she, she listened to an interview from him. I mean, I would have to say, reading that article in totality, the only thing he says is at the end, I do not discount the fact that it could have been demonic, but that's not the way the article reads. The article doesn't read that way at all. <laughs> the article is 98%, this was good, they were generous, generous benefactor, they saved me, they were my knight in shining armor, you know, all that stuff. And... You know, it's scary stuff to believe that he still believes that. So she says, how can he say he loves the Lord and believe in that lie? I don't understand. I just don't understand. I don't know. It's like you say what what God's word says in 2 Thessalonians 2.11. About the strong delusion that they will believe a lie. That they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Yeah, it's kind of scary. But what's more scary is that He's at the head of a gigantic ministry on the cutting edge of the alternative media, exposing this very, supposedly giving us the truth about this very subject. Where is this all going to end up leading? With Tom Horn promoting the Catholicism, with Gary Stearman, now not so suddenly telling us that these UFOs can be good and are benefactors and, and they're, they're God's uh, holy ambassadors or whatever, sometimes. God's not the author of confusion. They're never that, ever. I've never heard of one abduction account where they ever pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. His word, the biblical account, they always discredited it. And if he would have actually remembered what happened to him on the old mothership, when he had that five hours of missing time, I don't think he'd be speaking in such high terms as he probably was probed and operated on and implanted. I'd like to see some, um, uh, for him to get some x-rays to see if there's any implants. And if that was the case, did he continue to get abducted because that's the norm? Well, no, of course not, he didn't. How does he know? Most of the time when these people get abducted, they don't even remember. I don't know. I mean, I'm, just, I'm speculating now, but this concerns me. 
I mean, if he would have said, okay, I, you know, I, I realized it was demonic after I got saved. I, I renounced what I was even thinking. I now f- devote my ministry to exposing them. This is a lie from the pit of hell. This is how good the devil can be. Then I would say, you know what? You know, he, good for him. He got, he got it right. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not leading people astray. But he's doing the exact opposite of that. So how can I not question his salvation? How can I not question and the Bible says, by their fruit you shall know them. This is not the kind of fruit you want to see. She goes, she says, how can he say he loves the Lord and believe in that lie? Just don't understand. Uh, it's like you say in God's word, 2 Thessalonians 2.11. It scares me for all those who, be, who will believe what he will say. Yeah. And it's not going to be every other word out of his mouth. Might be 98% truth and 2% bad doctor. But when things start to go down, what I'm afraid is that the, these main ministries that are at the head of this alternative movement, alternative media exposing the UFOs and stuff, I'm afraid what direction they're ultimately going to end up pointing everybody to. That's why I'm doing this teaching today to give you a heads up and to warn you ahead of time. Trust what the Word of God says. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ. These things are from the pit of hell. There's no good cop, bad cop aliens. And God's not going to go around causing all this confusion where he has good spaceships because he wants to be on the good team. He wants to get in the game. He doesn't need that garbage. He is actually having, she goes on to say, he's actually having huge conferences and speaking on this very subject. Yeah, I know. That's That's why I had to say something. Now, this is just a little bit, this is just one tiny sliver of what I know about this guy. There may be all kind of horrific stuff. I don't know. I don't really know. But all I can say is this is a gigantic red flag. Then she goes on to say, shame on him. I will let you know if I do hear any more about it. Wow. I wish I didn't have to do these teachings. And I'm not doing them because I think I'm perfect. You know, I live in sinless perfection over here. I'm not saying that at all. I don't tell anybody to follow me either. Cursed be the man that trusteth the man that maketh flesh his arm, whose heart departed from the Lord. I'm, I'm just trying to give you a heads up of what's going on here. And this is some very, very concerning stuff we're dealing with here. So I'm going to end part two here for this part of this teaching. And we're going to go to part three. And um, I guess it's our fourth and final part for today for... for um, September 18th, and in the next parts we're going to talk about David Flynn and Sir Isaac Newton, and uh, you may you may think, well, I haven't even heard of these guys. Yeah, well, it might be something you want to listen to, because uh, this is a guy that Raiders News Network has promoted very heavily, and a lot of other Christian ministries that are in the, uh, particularly the ones that emphasize UFOs in this, heavily promoted this guy. And um, it's also very important. So anyway, we'll see you in part three. God bless you.